Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2302. Today we're continuing our Mandalorian rewatch, being able to look at the particular episodes and be informed about the content of all the episodes for additional insights. Today we're looking at episode two, The Child. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, as I said at the top, we are looking at The Mandalorian with the perspective of having seen all the episodes from Season 1 and going back over the individual episodes to see what additional insights we can glean now that we know the whole story of Season 1 and how it might reflect on the events of Season 2. And so today we're looking at the second episode of the season, Season 1 that is, which is The Child. And just in case you need the refresher, the episode starts off with the Mandalorian walking through a canyon, which, you know, supposedly this was supposed to be impassable by anything except Blurg, and yet they're managing to walk it. So maybe Impossible was kind of overselling it a bit. And the Mandalorian and the child get attacked by three Trandoshans who also have a tracking fob. They get back to the Razorcrest, but the Razorcrest has been stripped for parts by off-world Jawas, and despite <laughs> disintegrating three or four of them, they get away. There's a chase where the Sandcrawler's trying to run off, and the Mandalorian's trying to climb up it, and gets zapped for his trouble. Then has to find his way back to Queel and ask for help. And Queel manages to bring him to where the Jawas are and helps him negotiate a way to get back all the stolen parts, which involves retrieving an egg, a mysterious egg. They go to the place where the egg is, which turns out it's a lair for a mudhorn, which is a tremendously tough creature. And the Mandalorian battles it to you know, no avail. Basically, he's going to get his hat handed to him until the very last minute, Baby Yoda lifts his little hand and holds the mudhorn up in midair with its you know final deadly charge. And it's just enough time for the Mandalorian to regroup and stab the mudhorn in the neck and kill it. Baby Yoda, for his trouble, is so wiped out that he flies back into the back of his little hover pram and essentially goes into a coma for three days. I'm saying three days, it's actually probably a bit longer than that because there's no indication that he wakes up until after the Mandalorian is in space after the ship repairs have been done. But awaken he does and that's where we leave things at the end of the episode. So a couple of things that jumped out at me. First of all, 
this is an interesting character, the Mandalorian, because, you know, as we've seen Mandalorians, we've seen only very competent Mandalorians in Star Wars storytelling. And yes, I suppose you can make a case for Jango Fett, you know, getting his head cut off by Mace Windu. Like, that doesn't seem very competent. And Boba Fett just being, you know, slapsticky offed by, oh, you know, a stick into the back of his jetpack and blah! right yeah that also doesn't seem very competent either i grant you and as has been documented on this podcast before i'm not the biggest boba fett fan but be that as it may generally speaking mandalorians are portrayed as very competent warriors and we see that in star wars the clone wars we see that in star wars rebels so there's ample evidence that this is the case and yet our mandalorian does not quite seem as readily competent as the Mandalorians to which we are used. <laughs> That's a horrible like, <laughs> a way to avoid a dangling preposition that we're used to, okay? That just sounds so much better. I mean, certainly he handles those three Trandoshans really well, but then to be stymied the way that he is by the Jawas, that seems somewhat unlikely. Like, maybe that's just the effect of quite a long walk and who knows what kind of food or drink he's had in the interim. But, you know, just climbing that sand crawler, like he really seemed like he was out of his element and maybe they just, you know, don't have time to train that sort of thing on Navarro in the covert where he's hanging out. I'm not holding it against him that he got zapped by all those Jawas once he got to the top of the sand crawler. I mean, that would happen to anyone who had done that, right? Overwhelming odds in that particular situation. But yeah, there's just a certain level of competency that I guess I'm used to for Mandalorians. And I don't mean this as a criticism of the show. It's more just observational about the character, that this is not a fully formed Mandalorian. And it's kind of fascinating because this particular Mandalorian, Din Djarin, does not have access to the same level of training, the same level of indoctrination, if you will, as most regular Mandalorians might have had, considering, you know, the fact that they are hiding out from the Empire. He has some of it, but there's still a lot of room for growth for him. And that seems to be the case with creatures as well. I mean, whether it's the Blurgs that get the better of him in Season 1, or the Mudhorn that gets the better of him in Season 2, definitely contending with creatures is not the Mandalorian's strong suit either. And yet, despite all of this, he is the one who is doing bounty hunting. We don't have any indication that any of the other Mandalorians in the Covert are actually outperforming bounty hunter duties. And if only one Mandalorian is allowed out of the Covert at a time, and this guy is going out and collecting bounties and whatnot, he has to be gone for a pretty significant period of time. So you would think that they would only allow him to be doing that if he was the big breadwinner in terms of bounty hunting for the Covert. And one other big thing to note about Din Djarin's character is that he's very negative in the same way that a younger Luke Skywalker is very negative in the original trilogy. When he arrives back at Queel's farm, he talks about how, you know, there's no way that, you know, he's going to get his parts back, that the ship is destroyed and, you know, stolen or destroyed, what difference does it make? You know, very negative and very pessimistic. And similarly, when they get the parts 
back, they're back at Quill's farm, and the Mandalorian is looking at the ship, and he says that it would take, you know, a whole maintenance facility to get this to work. Like, there's no way it'll work without a full maintenance facility. And Quill says, it'll go faster if you bother to help. And so they do, and then it's a montage of their repairs. So even though we have baby Yoda, it turns out that Quill is his own kind of Yoda for the Mandalorian, and we can only hope that he will learn to be a little more positive in his thinking going forward. A couple other quick notes, and then we'll call it an episode. But before I do that, just the brief reminder today, if you haven't done it yet and you're listening on iTunes, I hope today's the day that you will leave a rating or review or both for Star Wars 7x7. It really does help more people find a daily dose of Star Wars joy when they're looking for Star Wars podcasts to listen to and or to which to listen if I'm not going to tangle the preposition on that one. So again, if you have already done this, thank you so much for doing it. And if you haven't, then I hope you'll take a couple of minutes today to just leave a quick rating or review on iTunes. And thank you so much for your support. So a couple of last notes. First of all, Baby Yoda reaching out to heal the Mandalorian's cut arm. So it seems, and we've talked about this, that Baby Yoda is self-aware in terms of having some kind of force abilities, and healing is one of them. We actually see this borne out later on in the season when he heals Grief Karga, but he seems to be aware that he has healing capability, and he demonstrates that early when he's reaching out to the Mandalorian in this episode. And the other thing is, isn't the Mandalorian lucky, and maybe this is sort of a god machine, deus ex machina thing, however you pronounce it, that Quill is so darn handy. I mean, all we know is that Quill had worked in the gene farms, whatever that is, but Quill knows how to rebuild a starship for all intents and purposes, and isn't that a very lucky thing? Also, this episode, funniest episode of the season by far, and probably the funniest 30 minutes of any Star Wars storytelling, period, paragraph, end of story. Just the Jawas going, suga, hysterical, and the way that they roll it through is just tremendous. Anyway, that right there is where we're going to leave things with that episode of The Mandalorian, episode two, The Child, and also this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.